Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In a remote small town, a neurodivergent teen forms an unlikely rapport with an international student from Shanghai who is volunteering at a hospital where she is a patient. Between the two, a bond forms, cemented by their candid conversations, nightly text messages, and exchange their deepest secrets. The boundaries of their friendship quickly expand into something special, altering their inner alchemy. The film is called Queens of the Qing Dynasty. It's a story that breaches the absurd and poetic, platonic and romantic. We're joined today by the director and writer of this wonderful film, and that would be Ashley McKenzie. Ashley, welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Remarkable story, remarkable in so many ways, the telling of the story, the story itself, and the characters that we get to know and and see their, their journey, their lives. What was the inspiration for this story? The germ of the film kind of grew out of my first feature film, actually, Werewolf is the name of my first feature. And I, in the audition process for one of the leads in that film, I met two teenagers and I didn't end up casting them in the film, but um, each of them kind of became a part of my life out of that initial encounter. And some of the experiences that you see on go through with STAR and the healthcare system were experiences that I had with this friend of mine. And I don't think that necessarily would have been enough of something to make me start to write, but it was one of these people that auditioned for me, who is now a very close friend of mine. There's the way that she sees the world, the way that she computes everything around her and the way that she expresses herself her voice, um, the words that she uses was just something I had never come across before. And I just loved hearing her speak. And it was her voice in my head that I just, that really lingered. And I just had to start writing because I just loved imagining how she, what she would say in a situation and how she would um, encapsulate an op- something that she sees. So it was really that, that I think began the script process. And that was just one character. And then the other character, you know, Zian was someone who came into my life and sort of asked to be in the film. And I rewrote that character for them. So it was two real people that really like shifted the direction of my life and, and really shaped the film. It's among the many strengths of this film is the ability to bring us into these very two different worlds that Star and An um, are, are in. And with Star, there's there's so much there's so much complexity in her character, and there's so much as someone sitting in the audience watching her that there's you pull you and her collaborate to pull off this wonderful trait in watching her that I'm drawn to. I want to know more. You 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 just kind of you can you tease us into her world in a way that a very a very difficult thing to do for a character like star but i kept wanting to know more about her and it's i think part of it's in the storytelling the way you you put out these breadcrumbs of her life 
but she is just an incredibly complex character. I, I'm just rambling on here. Tell me a little bit about what went into your thought process and how you were going to tell her story. Yeah, I think something that was on my mind a lot was really wanting to develop uh, dimensional characters, I guess. And yeah. I think there was something about the way that my filmmaking style developed leading up to this film, which was very much shaped by the resources that I have access to and where I decide to make my films. All these things have, I've tried to use those things, figure out how to harness all those things to my advantage by forming a style, which I would say is like a realist style model and very, a very lean minimalist kind of film. And as I became inspired by these characters and as these characters emerged on the page in particular at the beginning star, I just felt like this, she cannot be in that type of a film. She just had too many layers. Yeah. Too much dimension and like too much to say. And I think that was another thing about that previous style of mine. Really, like there was very little dialogue. And if I did have some, it was like pruning it away. My approach was like to respond to what the character needed and try to create a space for them to, yeah, reveal themselves. And, you know, there's something special about Star in like the way that she looks at people and looks at people a little bit longer than maybe the average person would. But there's something in that look that then breaks some kind of ice and some sort of formality. And also she can reveal herself more than maybe someone would in in a typical encounter. And But that to me is like opens up this whole other space in an, in, a, in an encounter between two people. And fortunately, like On is like so ready to have someone yeah. to ask them something like that and to open them up or they're so ready to receive someone who's willing to be vulnerable and bluntly really frankly honest and they met you know meet them there so I feel like there's something just in her eyes and her look that then allows the whole film to unfold between the two characters their first encounter with each other and correct me if I'm wrong but he's singing a song and i would assume a, a song of from china a chinese song moving his hands in a very interesting way we that's how we're sort of introduced to him and that look that you're talking about it, as you said it is lo a longer look than we're used to in normal what i would call normal conversations with people that we meet and know but in that time frame that you're describing with how long it it takes for her over time i began to think that this is just her analysis. She has this mind that is able to kind of leapfrog the formalities of our civil society and the way that we normally interact and get to something more truthful for her and understanding that person. Is that? Yeah, I agree. There's something beautiful about the way she does compute the world around herself. I think there's very little judgment in, in what she does in the assessment that she makes and the way that she expresses herself, I think is like, I would say akin to like a poet or at times like, you know, a comedian, like she's able to receive a lot, make, I think, really adept observations that I think like lack a judgmental quality. So I think, and it's that aspect of things that I think helps people. It kind of just, it's, she disarms people, I think, to some degree, like 
but you know it depends i think for some people they would could really be rug, rubbed the wrong way by star and that was something i was aware of is that you know she could say she could be really crossing someone's boundary here or she could offend someone but what i noticed in the, my particular context in my community and being on an island and just the social fabric of this place at this time is that there's a lot of loneliness there's a lot of separation and if that conversation happened somewhere else it might really just um fall apart really quickly but here again people are just a bit more in desperate for connection and communication and so and so i i noticed that quality of hers would actually um be received with like interest and or, or you know they would just it would be received warmly um even if it was out of the ordinary we meet her in a in the midst of a a crisis a medical crisis and she has we from the first few scenes we see with her we i think we understand and realize that she is in kind of in the system if you will she has she is in many ways orphaned and that's a theme within the film which i loved there were so many things about the way that you were introduced that concept into the film of our yeah this isolation that and and disconnect from others that these characters are experiencing so we meet her at this point where she is and it's unclear how it happened i think as to how she ingested something that and then this introduction to on who is also in need of help. He is trying, you'll do a better job than I can. Sort of just describe the dynamic, if you will, between the two of them, especially as they're getting to know one another. Yeah, I think it is interesting. They're both, I mean, Star, like you say, she's, you know, she kind of wears hospital bracelets, like jewelry, like she's, you know, she's obviously like not in a good situation and is trying to seek help, but, I think she's able to also make the most of that situation. And like, you know, I think that she's one to call 911 if, she, you know, one if in, in, in an actual legitimate health crisis, but also just, I think she can see it as a place that she can talk to someone too. Like, I think she can see it the from a couple angles and, uh, yeah. but I certainly think she's like trying to find care in her life and on moves to Canada from Shanghai, you know, from a huge city to a small rural island community. And they are also like, you know, looking for residents of some sort, some kind of home, some sort of place where they can express themselves fully and be accepted. And, and so I think they're both looking and in need of care and also like, just really looking for more than anything, just someone to listen to someone to be attuned to them. And I think that is what is, you know, the alchemy that exists between them is I think just that space to really listen and decode one another. Cause you know, Star when she's talking when she's going through the healthcare system, that standard of care, like those people are trying, the social workers trying, but you know, there's just that process is, you know, that broad stroke process is not working for her. And you see it like, you know, the absurdity of it at times. But I think like when Stir and On, you know, meet in the chapel at the hospital and, and On sings to Stir, I think you see that they're trying to figure out, okay, I'll, I'll try singing Celine Dion because 
they're that's an important icon for me and you know star receives it but maybe it doesn't quite land and then they sing a traditional chinese song jasmine flower and yeah do this um gesture with their hand and you know i feel like they're experimenting they're they're yeah. trying to figure out what is going to land with her and i think it's through that experimentation and exploration that they're able to you know find a common wavelength and you know it's it's hard to extrapolate that and apply it into a, a model of care that works for everyone but the film is very much just um yeah zoning in on on what does happen when two people can find that kind of like attunement and yeah it, it, and it's the unconventional way that they become familiar with one another they're unconventional people and that's another thing. This is a story about people who are on the margins, marginalized people in society who are in a system that is in many ways set up to either push them through or get or or dispel them from from where they are, one way or the other. They're either but it's not a not a very humane system for sure. Now, one of the other things about there's so many things about the film I mentioned to you before we got started. It is in addition to the fact that it's the story of these two people and how they get to know one another. But there's so much of the cinematic part of this that I want to talk to you about in terms of the sound design, the cinematography. I love the cinematography in the film. I think a lot of it's very intimate. It's very much sets up sets up so much of the film. Um, working with your collaborator, uh, Scott Moore, as your cinematographer and also your sound people that would be it's a cecilia believe and you sue if that if that's that right um yeah. let's talk about that kind of as, as a filmmaker as someone who's putting together a story and a film a look yeah what were you going for we all know how collaborative filmmaking is but i would say this film perhaps in comparison to my past work definitely felt like a big collage of collaborators and and media you know from original songs to electronic music that uh, is licensed and animations and 3D work. And yeah, on to all those kind of like the collage of like uh, all this media on top of just like, yeah, pretty dense um, soundscape and like, yeah, very particular cinematography. And, and yeah, so all those collaborations with For were very, Photographer's point of view from a from a sort of where you were, how you were shooting it. There are a lot of close-ups. How would you describe that part of the t storytelling? What were you What were you looking for in that? The language of the film, in many ways, is like quite classical and and like pretty simple. Like in terms of the shot selection, the duration of it and the arrangement yeah. of it, it is a little bit out of the ordinary, and and I think that's what makes it land different. But one of the main things that Scott and I felt on our very first like kind of location scout when we put a camera up, we put a lens on and it was, and it was like kind of like a portrait lens sort of thing. And as soon as we looked at a face through the, through that lens, we were like, okay, we, we need to use a wider lens. Like mm. these characters, these, again, these characters, like they can't be compressed. Their portrait, their close-ups, their medium close-ups can't be compressed. We basically shot like on 36 and 24s, I think almost exclusively except for when we went wider we never we just weren't shooting on normal to long lenses because again the characters just felt like they had this dimension 
and we needed to like shape them and just have that shape to them. And then we also never wanted to shoot them straight on. We always would shoot them from a three quarter angle for that same reason. So you can just see their shape a bit more. And then also we would do that in the room. We would always try to shoot into the corners of room and also show have headroom to see the ceilings and stuff to see the dimensions of the room. So yeah. it was kind of just this gut feeling. We both had the very first time we went on a scout and we came out of it being like, okay, these are some of like the basic principles we need to work with to kind of have give the characters and the spaces they're in shape. And then another big thing that comes out of it, I guess that, you know, I think probably pops a bit more in the film language is like the extreme close-ups on eye, which Yes. You know, that is us getting very close and we commit to them. Scott also co-edited the film with me. We commit to them like for long periods of time without cutting to uh, a wide shot at times. And and that particular piece of film language was very much trying to create a space for Star and On to exist in a world where they're kind of like disconnected from their bodies and they can almost enter a more liminal space. It's like when they're really connecting and um, in sync, it's like allows them to kind of escape just the their situation, the environment they're in a bit and enter this more abstract space where they, you know, can really riff and be a bit more free. So that was like, yeah, this more disembodied liminal world. It's just, again, just, a you know, it's a tiny decision really to just try to get somewhere different with this shot and it is just by the arrangement and duration of it, I think. And, you know, but then there's, you know, there's also wider shots than I typically use that are also, again, rather than being used in a, in an establishing shot at the beginning of a scene, it's like, normally we would go to like a wide as like a, a pivot point or like to bend what you think is happening into a different direction and like to shift perspective and, at times so yeah I don't know but ultimately I think the language is kind of stripped down and classical but just slanted in a different direction a little well with Sarah Walker a star and uh Jian Zhang they have these beautiful faces have gorgeous faces and especially with, with Sarah her eyes are just you uh, they're oh my god what a what a gift her ability to convey so much and her, as we described earlier, kind of her taking in the world, processing that information. And then she comes up with these brilliant observations in just this sort of scattershot way. And it becomes, you get you get to know her. You get to know her in this film. And I, I, I this is another thing about it that pulled me in. Just in closing, I just want to talk also about the structure of the film. There is kind of a first half, second half in the film, much more closed in spaces and it opens up, the, the film opens up literally and figuratively in the second half of the film. And uh, it's a it's a beautiful transition that you made in this storytelling. It, it feels like a road picture at some point in the film. Yeah. I feel like the first half of the film, it's like, you know, it's all in a hospital and it may seem funny to be like, it's it's a it's the romantic section of the film in the hospital but really that's how i see it when i think of romance as this special bubble that you can enter with another person you know that just happens and you just all of a sudden are connecting you develop a language together it's like i feel like the first half of the film is very much them yeah 
getting to know one another in this kind of romantic bubble. And, and then I guess maybe the realist in me is like, I need, they need to, and they need to go back to the real world at some point. And, and so the second half is really placing, you know, that bubble back in the real world. But, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to burst it. It's like, they're out there and it's sort of like, can they use the way that they learn to communicate with one another? Can they find that, can they construct that energy still in a prison-like courtyard or hospital when they're being snowed on or, you know, in a day pass from the hospital in a VR room, like just trying to see if they can take that with them wherever they go. Well, my sincere congratulations to you for the film. The film is beautiful to look at, to listen to, to watch these characters and watch the performances of the of this cast is uh, it's a true it's a true joy. And uh, I know the film is getting a lot of attention. People have been talking about it in very very glowing terms. And my congratulations to you for that. I know as someone who is not in the what I would call the more traditional Hollywood realm of uh, filmmaking. You are, as we mentioned, Nova Scotia, Canada, a little bit outside the the norm. Um, I'm so happy to see the attention that you're getting and this film is getting as well. Yeah, it's a great testament to all the amazing people in my community and all the collaborators. And, and uh, yeah, it's exciting to have it coming to Metrograph and yeah. other cities in the U.S. And, yeah, I appreciate uh your engagement with them okay. you're very welcome the film again is called queens of the Qing dynasty and we've been talking to not only the director writer producer as well as co-editor of this wonderful film that would be ashley mckenzie ashley thank you so very much for your time yeah thank you You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.